What are your goals worth to you? For the boys of St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland, the answer is everything. I'm your host, Victor Cruz, and this is episode three of HBO's The Cost of Winning podcast. In this episode, you really see Coach Biff Poggi really pay it forward and really, you know, bring this whole story all the way full circle. And you really see the grind of what these kids really go through, right? So when you think about the coach's role, if you needed help, if you needed, you know, a ride to school, if you needed a ride to practice. And then I think that's no different with Coach Poggi, right? I think when you look at him, he's such a selfless human being and he's such a selfless person because he's putting these kids first and he's putting these students first and he's putting all of this for you to see the vision for this school to give up your head coaching responsibility, so to speak. And because in my opinion, you're still a head coach of that team. You're still one of the head guys that make sure all those kids are on the straight path, giving them the tough conversations that they may not be ready to hear or talk about, getting in their face when they need to. I was fortunate enough to have coaches that cared that much to like rip you if they had to, to dish you in order to bring the best out of you, in order to understand like what grinds your gear specifically to bring the best out of you. I think when you look at him in Big Walsh and is larger than just football. And I think that's the same with Coach Poggi as well, is that his connection with these kids go way deeper than just the game of football. I think they go as deep as the kids would allow them to be. And I think when you look at Coach Poggi, man, and the amount of resources that he's built around these children, around these kids growing up in this area, it's just incredible. And you look at the player responses, right? Like you look at them being a part of a team in 2015, right? When Coach Masai was the head coach and going winless and giving up that rank and being like, you know what? A guy like Biff Poggi can come in here and help and can come in here and really help these kids get from point A to point B, not just on the field, obviously right but in the game of life and I think that's where coach Masai again I'm going back to just to give back to these kids and give back to their community as well so to speak so when you look at it right the, the, just the selfless energy of each person the players responding to all of this extremely well I mean there's even a portion where these kids that made me feel good and made me feel like these kids are learning something and that shows you the level of comfort that they by the way I don't know if people know like how hard it is to rap in your locker room around your friend like the amount of of confidence that it takes not not just to play football on the field and show your talent around your peers and everything and prove that you belong, but to actually rap. And I know this firsthand because I've tried to rap in my locker room. It really just shown me that these coaches setting up these tables and setting up the foundation for every kid that comes across the St. Francis Academy doors. Coach Poggi is just the most selfless human being and he does it in his own way. In addition to being submerged in the kids' tough environment, introduced to the school itself and some of the star players, one standout storyline is how this whole St. Francis football program is made possible. Coaches Masai, Russell, and White provide us with that explanation. I was willing to step aside as the head coach as time went on. If you're truly about serving our community, serving those kids, and if you have to step aside to bring in someone that loves it and has an ability to provide it for more than you do, that is what equates being selfless is. Biff is all in on, on helping kids. And to me, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling the amount of money his family has been willing to help out with St. Francis. Well, he pays for all the coaches. He pays for players, uh, you know, for their uh, education. Uh, he pays for housing up to, I think, 40 kids that we have. Uh, some of them that live outside of this district. A lot of them that live in Baltimore that just need to be out of their environment. <laughs> 
Coach Poggi and his selfless character continue to be a force throughout this docuseries. It's clear how well-respected he is by the people closest to him, and that's showcased by Coach Russell, as he shares a powerful anecdote explaining Poggi's positive influence perfectly. Here's that story. I'll never forget when I played for Biff. When someone asked him, well, how is your team going to be? He said, I'll tell you in 20 years. You know, and that's the right answer. What are my teammates doing that played with me 20 years ago? Well, they're making a difference. And so hopefully the kids that I'm coaching right now, 20 years from now, hopefully they're, they're doing the same thing. My guest on the podcast today is one of the stars of the series, Coach Biff Poggi. Coach Poggi, a former associate head coach under Jim Harbaugh at Michigan University, took over St. Francis Academy football team and transformed them into a national powerhouse in just a few years' time. He's someone who reminds me of the coaches I had in my life, from little league to high school to college. He does things his way, and he understands that it's about the kids first. Coach and I talked about his role within the organization, setting up his players for collegiate success, and silencing his critics. Take a listen. Without further ado, I'm excited to get right into this conversation. I'd like to welcome Coach Biff Poggi to the show. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Victor, thanks a lot for having me. And uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. And thanks for your interest in our kids. Thanks for joining me here today. I'm just excited about having this conversation. And I want to start by talking about paying it forward. I think that's something that I see throughout this entire uh, series is about you paying it forward not just to yourself and, and proving to yourself you can do these things and accomplish these goals, but for these children um, for to, to make sure they're excelling and making sure they're furthering their education and continuing to fulfill the dreams and things that they um, look at and dream about every single day. So where does that giving spirit for you come from? Is it innate? Is it something that you've seen growing up? Like where does that giving back spirit come from for you, Coach? Um, well, that's a... That's a very interesting question. Um, it's a combination of things for for me and my family, my wife and our kids and our family. Um, first of all, for us, it's 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 a ministry uh, issue for us. You know, we've been, you know, we've been really blessed and um, beyond measure. And and you know, the second greatest commandment is, uh, you know do unto other people, love other people the way you wish to be loved. And so, you know, I was kind of the beneficiary of other people's gen generosity when I was a kid. I mean, I was, um, you know, I was, I was a kind of a troubled kid and in and out of schools. And I, I think I went to eight or nine schools by the 10th grade, um, always getting kind of tossed out and stuff. And finally, somebody gave me a chance after I didn't really deserve a chance. And why was that, coach? Were you just a troubled kid? Were you just was it like home life was funny or or, or was it just you were like rambunctious and was it going against the grain? I was a kid with like a lot of anxiety and a lot of um you know a lot of lot of um I would say kind of probably mental health issues when when I look back on it and um and and I I was uh someone that that always kind of wanted to um sabotage myself uh in my success in a way and uh and and you know and it's interesting because i came from a family of uh people that were 
you know, lower middle class family for sure. Uh, actually, my family's right from down the street from St. Francis. Um, and and even though they didn't, those people didn't have much, what they did was they were incredibly generous to people who had less, uh, taking care of orphans, taking care of the sick, taking care of the poor. And so that's what I grew up around the kitchen table with. And those guys, my grandfathers, were my heroes. Be- not because they, they weren't stars or rich or any of that stuff. They were the opposite. But they were my heroes because they were just so kind. I think that's the same way I feel when I think about my grandmother. When I grew up, the first eight years of my life, I lived with my grandmother in like a two-bedroom apartment, um, but it had an upstairs. And she would rent the upstairs out to just people in the community, like friends that we knew, friends that lived around the block. And that was the, you know, epitome. And it wasn't strange for, I mean, think about it. Like I'm eight years old and a stranger's living on the third, you know, above us. And I'm just like, this is normal. My grandmother takes people in all the time. Like this is just what it was. And I think that level of kindness and humility is displayed throughout your entire coaching staff. And I want to talk about your coaching staff because, you know, I think it's just a unique group of guys that just really put the kids' interests first and puts their... Um, you know, they're so selfless in the way that they approach these kids. And I think it's interesting. And I know if I wasn't the best morning person coach, I can tell you that. And if Coach Masai was in my face early in the morning as I'm coming in every day, I might have to chin check him one time. Just like today's not the day, coach. OK, but the fact that he does that and get these kids going and gets you energized for the day. It's just incredible. Talk a little bit about your coaching staff and what they represent to you and the team. Well, you mentioned Coach Masai. He is one of the most beautiful spirits of any human being I've ever met in my life. He is a lover of kids and an advocate of kids. And look, he's 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 a parent, so he's tough on them. But they love him and they respect him because our kids know that he has truly, truly has their best interest at heart. And he's amazing. He he and I say this with the utmost um uh this is the utmost compliment. He is the uh, mother figure of our program. And when I say that, we all know what moms mean, right? I mean, dads are important, critically important, but your mother is your mother. And uh, he he loves those kids in a way that is just so beautiful. Um, and the families trust him. Of course, we trust him. And the kids trust him. And, and and by the way, our whole staff is like that. Now, not to the extent Masai is with them all the time, but you can't coach here unless you are a lover of kids. And I just sent a text message out this morning saying, you know, guys, this is not like coaching at any other place because it's full-time. It's It never ends. It's not just coaching, recruiting, football. It's it's school, it's health care, it's nutrition, it's housing, it's mental health, it's, you know, tutoring, it's everything. It's it's like raising a kid, but we're raising 85 of them. And so we need all hands on deck or it doesn't work. Now, that structure that you're talking about, right, for those kids, talk to me about, now, did you have that structure growing up? Where did that structured life and that atmosphere really come from that you were able to instill that in your coaching staff and kind of have that as the backbone of your football family? Well, one of the things is is that you – look, I had a great family growing up. Uh, 
all hands on deck, you know, uh, ethnic family, you know, just, just that's the way it is. Um, but, but when you get to a place like St. Francis, you, what you immediately see is uh, you see the gaps and, and the needs. And mm-hmm. if you're going to just go down there and coach football and not look at those and not try to heal those or step in the gap, stand in the gap of those needs, you know, you become, you become, I don't want to answer for that at the end of my life. I mean, I don't want to do that. So we've built a group of caring men who've been with me for a long time. Um, and they understand that, that our philosophy is about building men for others. That's what we're doing. We're using football as the vehicle because it's what the kids love and it's what we know. And, you know, you know this. You know this is a player. You put a whistle around a guy's neck and players want to listen to him. And for some reason, and you can either abuse that or you can use that as a benefit to a kid's life. We're trying to use it as a benefit to kids' lives. Um, We're tough on them. I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. We are really hard on them, um, and and they eat it up. They love it, and I think that's why they excel so uh, much on and off the field. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, I, I can sit here comfortably and say that football and the structure of football really changed my life. I remember, I'm going to take you on a journey here, Coach. I was a young kid playing Little League football, right, and my dad was one of the assistant coaches. And it was my first, literally my first two games playing football, the second game of the season. And he looked at me and he's begging the coaches to put me. I was playing like left guard, coach. Picture me, right? Left guard, probably 11 years old, right? Not, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm just running out, punching people. My dad goes begging the head coach, put him at running back. Just one play, give him the ball. If he runs the wrong way, you never give him the ball again. You know what I'm saying? And he goes, and the coach finally agrees, puts me at fullback. I get the ball. I literally, it's 21 dive. I remember it like it was yesterday. 21 dive. I get to the hole. I'm like, I'm not going through there. I bounce around and I score a 65-yard touchdown, coach. And my dad was like, I remember seeing him from a distance jumping up and down in the head coach's face. Like, I told you. I told you. And for me, that was the crystallizing moment that I knew football was the sport for me. I knew that I had a unique character trait and unique abilities, and football was it for me. What was that moment where you knew you had to be the coach of the St. Francis Academy football team for you? What was that crystallizing moment? You knew you were the guy to lead these group of men. Well, you know, it's interesting. Your story is very interesting. I think all of us who were players had a story like that. and, and, and Absolutely. And we, and we all remember it. We remember the day when, uh-oh, this is kind of our game, and this is something we're pretty good at. Um, as far as the St. Francis coaching thing, you know, this is very interesting, but my mother, God rest her soul, she uh, reminded me this when I was uh, a, just to, you know, get getting done with my playing career. And I had written a, um, a, 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 a paper in, in high school where I said that my my what I wanted to do with my life when my playing career was over, I wanted to work with kids in the city of Baltimore, um, and I wanted to coach those kids in football and help them kind of better their life. And you know, it's amazing. I was a high school kid, and that's really what I wanted to wow. do. And I've always wanted to do that. And you know, I I think you know I was at the University of Michigan as the associate head coach with Jim Harbaugh, and I love that so much. 
I love that. But but what I really needed to do was to be at St. Francis. Yeah, and, and it shows, Coach. You're really paying it forward with these kids. I think it shows when you speak to them now. These kids go through a lot, right? And there's two stories specifically that I want to get to, one being Big John Wallace. Like, I, I look at myself as him. I was the same kind of dude, right, kind of behind the eight ball going into school, didn't have a lot of offers, had to go to prep school to kind of further – my education and get some more playing time under my belt and just have more opportunities at the SAT and just bringing my grades up and and trying to figure it out. Um, A lot of these kids go through a lot of struggles in East Baltimore. I mean, it's just, I mean, you see gunshots at practices, you hear all of that stuff. What is it that about this football team and, and, and yourself specifically that helps these kids get through these moments and get through these tough times, just growing up in an area where violence is a norm and, and losing people and losing family members and close friends is really an, an, an everyday thing. You know, I, I the amount of um, emotional damage that we as a society are doing to our children, especially in the cities, the, the, the big cities in these country, in our country, is mind-boggling, and I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought I knew. I, I knew nothing until I spent a couple of seasons at St. Francis. You know, it's why I think guys like John Wallace are, and 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 really, our kids in general are spectacular. Um, I think they're brilliant kids. I think they have enormous emotional IQs. Um, you know, EQs. Their survivors, what they go through on a daily basis of loss is amazing. And I've said this before, but our kids are, are every day are losing at everything. So when I say that, I mean this. Their housing situations are not good. You know, there's no heat, bad plumbing, uh, holes in windows and roofs. Um, they're crowded spaces. There's multiple families living together. Uh, Nutritionally, so many of our kids, um, before we got there, and look, the first year or so we were there because we didn't understand, and finally we fixed it uh, to now where we're providing breakfast and lunch to all the kids in the school and dinner to the football kids. Um, so, So it's housing, it's food, it's safety. Uh, it's such a violent, violent area. Uh, they're losing friends all the time. And then educationally, you know, if you come out of the Baltimore City school system, um, the statistics are devastating. You would weep over them because the wow. kids are multiple years behind in reading. Uh, there's not one high school in the city of Baltimore that's a public high school where the kid, where there's a kid, one kid, proficient in the basic math proficiency test. Not one kid. So if you do that, you're guaranteeing, when people speak of institutional racism, this is what they're talking about. It's institutions that put people so far behind in society that they're locked out. And and so this is what we're dealing with, with, with these kids. And the fact that Guys like John Wallace and other guys are going to college and getting it paid for is a miracle. And 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 something that very few people, lesser men than 
uh, you know, could could not have handled it. Coach, I want to touch on something that really pissed me off during the uh, the docu series, and that was the disdain or the negative comments that you were getting because of what you were doing with these kids and how you were helping them, and not just with what they're doing on the field, but housing them and putting them in positions to win and be successful in an area that isn't that. I mean, they were using obviously words that were negative towards you and towards your program and obviously a bunch of teams, the entire league, not wanting to play you. I think that was the biggest thing for me was like, wow, I can't even imagine teams really tucking their tails in and being like, we're not playing this team because for lack of better words, they're just scared, in my opinion, and and scared of injury or whatever it is. And I loved your comment was like, get better. Like, you know, nobody was saying this two years ago when they were winless. And now that we've developed into a powerhouse, get get better and and fix your team and compete, be competitive. And I just don't know why or how someone could have a single negative bone in their body with the things that you're doing with these children and these kids. Um, just talk about that for a minute and how that made you feel and um, and how you you know continue to move forward beyond that, even though uh, you know it's out there. Well, I appreciate what you said. I really do because I've been getting. Um, uh, I've gotten, uh, my poor wife can attest to this, but boy, I get lots of, uh, uh, I get hammered on the internet and, uh, and, you know, through the mail and things like that. Um, you know, the, the comments about me are, uh, I'm just a rich white guy who, um, is all about winning football games for my own gratitude. And, um, uh, Spending this money on the kids only to uh, for self aggrandizement for me. Um, there's been some very ugly things about, you know, uh, and my kids, our kids have heard this. You know, our players have heard this. That's what bothers me. And by the way, I wish somebody would come to me to my face and say this to me. Nobody ever does that. You know that won't happen, Coach. That's not going to You know, it's always behind an anonymous this, that. or But, you know, they they say that, you know, uh, St. Francis is nothing but a plantation, and I'm the plantation owner, and my kids are all being used. And and what bothers me is, look, I'm 60 years old. I don't care what you say about me. You can say whatever you want to say about me. But when you start talking about my kids at St. Francis like that, and they hear that, then we got business. And, and, and I'm, and, 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 and I have a philosophy, you get no free shots. So if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're an adult and you want to say something about a group of kids, um, I'm not, I'm just not going to let you get away with that. And, and, uh, now of course you can because of all the social media nonsense where you can hide your identity, but we don't pay a lot of attention to it. It has gotten to our kids. Um, and I'm very disappointed about that, but I tell you something, our kids are amazing. Uh, when that happened, when that last comment I told you about particularly happened, our safety, uh, Jordan Tolls, who is now at, at LSU, great kid, uh, he came up to me at practice and gave me a huge hug and said, Coach, I'm really sorry about what people are saying about you. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he told me, I got that day in practice. I got more, I love you, Coach. We love you. I got more of that that day than I've had my whole life. So what keeps me going through that is – I believe that the Lord wants me down there doing this. And the love I get back from these kids and their families, um, you know, is I can't put a price on that. And, and I'll say this. Look, yeah. at the end of life, and I'm closer to the end than I am to the beginning. I don't think I'm going to live to be 120. But um, 
what matters? I mean, nobody, nobody can tell you who's the richest guy in the world. Nobody can tell you who who won the Heisman Trophy five years ago. Nobody can tell you who won the most games. Nobody cares about any of that. The only thing that lasts is what kind of human being were you, and did you help change the trajectory of other people's lives when they needed you? And that's the way I hope that God looks at me and my players look at me. I'll tell you what will be success for me. If I'm laying in a box in the front of that church and it's standing room only with my former players, my family's in the front and my former players, then I think I did a good job. And that's what I'm living every day to try to accomplish and coaching every day the way I do to try to accomplish. And the other stuff is noise. That's incredible, Coach. And I think, uh, you know, that that's the definition of paying it forward, in my opinion. That just your entire outlook on it, the way, you know, you uh, look at these kids and the way you want to affect these kids. And, and it's incredible. It's funny you say that you're 60 years old and you don't care. My mother just turned 62 not too long ago. And I always say parents hit a fuck it button at a certain time, certain age, where they say whatever they want to say and things just come out. My mother has hit that fuck it button. So you have an additional person with you hitting the fuck it button. So that's incredible. Coach, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't wear your cutoff shirt for me in the, in, with the split down the middle. Um, I was looking forward to that. It was such a highlight throughout the series. I didn't want to scare you. <laughs> Do you self-cut those? Do you cut those? Every every new shirt you get, does it get the full cut treatment? It does. I, I just, I've been doing it forever. Uh, it terrifies my wife because I'll tell her, hey, we're playing on ESPN today. And I walk out of the house and she's like, oh, my gosh, you know. But but I just feel comfortable that way and I love it. And you know what? My kids don't care. So our players, they could care less. So that's No, it's incredible. It, it definitely just shows that you're you and unapologetically you. And I'm sure your kids love that. And it shows. It comes through in the series as well. Um, what, what's next for you, Coach? What do you want to see? down the line as the head coach of this football team, what do you want to see, you know, your kids become? Like, what, what is what does the next 20 years look like for Coach Biff Poggi? It's a good question, uh, and I want to be doing it for the next 20 years. I, I want to do it till I can't do it any longer. Um, what I'd like to see is, I, I'd like to see is to continue to get better um, academically as a school. And I think every school can work on that. I want to see us get better there. I want to see us get better in in the basic uh, remedial work of catching our kids up with reading and math. I want to see us get a really strong SAT program. By the way, I hope the SAT board gets to see this. Um, somehow I doubt they're the kind of guys who will watch us. But what an unfair test that is. You know, what an unfair test that is. But we're still, t- you know, we're still doing SAT prep because we have to. Coach, that was the I'm – I'm not going to lie, Coach. That was the hardest test. I took the SAT – and no one's ever heard this, honestly. Um, I took the SAT nine times maybe, something like that. Like I had to take that test so many times because obviously, as you know, with the clearinghouse, you have to match with the GPA. I don't know if it's still like this, but GPA has to match with your SAT score. So that was – I just – I had like decent grades, but I just couldn't get that SAT score up. Because it's just like, I don't know, I guess I had ADD. At a certain point, I was just like, my mind was just floating off during these four hours. It's just hard to stay focused for that long in the classroom. You know what I mean? And I think it's funny you say that test is unfair, and I agree with you 100%. And look at you. Look at where you are. Exactly. Look at what you've done. (laughs) Seriously, look at what you've done in your career. Look at where you are. Look at what you're doing. That test 
said that test is a predictor of your future success had a negative correlation to your future success. All that test does, all that test does, and the NCAA knows this, and I'm not a big fan of theirs, um, it, that test is used to, to exclude guys like you and me and guys you know like us from getting an opportunity to go to college and change the trajectory of our lives. And look at you. Look at you. You took it nine times. It didn't mean anything. Right. People would put your picture up for what you've done as a role model to kids all over the country. And that test is just a way to weed kids out. And it's not productive at all. We got a whole generation of kids being left behind in this world. And we're going to add that. It's silly. But I I hope we get better in those things. Um, What I want to start seeing is our players coming back to St. Francis and to the community and being part of the solution. Look, they're going to be wildly successful. I have no doubt about that. You know, they're doing really well in college. Um, you know, we've got a bunch of guys with four O's in their first semester in colleges at places like Michigan and Alabama. We've got guys at Duke, at Vanderbilt, at the uh, United States Military Academy. We've got guys all over. And we got guys at Bowie State, and we got guys in JUCO, and we got guys everywhere. I want, and they're going to do great in life. They're going to do great in life. I want them in the next 20 years or so, to do a few things. Bring their wives back, bring their kids back, and when they're doing well and it's the decision, hey, look, am I going to buy my second Mercedes? Um, Hold off on that and help your old coach send a kid to school. And, And that's what I'm hoping that when we get that going, when our guys are the solution, then we're in great shape. That's incredible, Coach. I think I think with the work you've done thus far, I think the level of uh, you know no kids that you have, and I think they come in there as adolescents and as children, but I think throughout their time with you under your helm at St. Francis Academy, they truly turn into men. And I think you can see that during this series, and I think it's just indicative of more coaches. We need more people like you, more coaches like you, more father figures like you to continue to be out there paying it forward and giving back to the communities and giving back to areas that need it, you know what I mean? And not just the areas that have it already. Going back into those trenches and in those impoverished areas that need the love and need someone to wrap their arms around them. Uh, so, Coach, I commend you for all of that. And and lastly, I was saving this sort of the end because I feel like from one champion to another, I got to bring the ring out, right? I got to just bring the ring. He can't even see it from this far, but it's my Super Bowl ring, Coach. Yeah. And I wanted to put it on because I wanted to be Victor, around the champion. Victor, can you come down and coach to- our receivers, please? Can you do that? <laughs> Come on down. I'll pay. I'll give you like a couple hundred bucks. That's about we can. That's what we can do. Come on down, will you? you? You know what? I'll have my agent call your agent. We'll figure it out, coach. All right. I don't have an agent. I don't have an agent. I love it. There it is. I love it. You got to get on. A, come down, please. Our kids would love you. Your story is, I I read all about you. And, you know, there was something, I I was telling the group this before. I read something about you years ago, and I don't remember, I I can't remember it exactly, but when I read it, I said, this is a guy I really respect. It was something from your background, something you did, something you said, and I can't remember. But, listen, you got to come down because you'll love our kids. Trust me. 
and they will love you, and you can take my job, and and I'll take your job. <laughs> no, I definitely want to come down and see your kids. You're not far. I'm right here in Jersey as well, so I definitely want to make a day out of it, come down, maybe speak to your kids, hang around practice, whatever the case may be, and really just uh, bring it all to life. I think once I watched the series, I was like, I, I, I won't be mad to go out there and see it all in real life and in person and uh, it'll, it'll be a real treat. It's been an honor. You, you are a star in life, and that's what matters. I hope my kids turn out like you. Thank you so much, Coach. That, that means so much, man. You, you have no idea, and, uh, and I, I hope I can keep making you proud. That, that's all I can continue to do, right? You sure do. And listen, I got one last thing for the NCAA so they can hear this. You got any eligibility left? <laughs> I'm maxed out, Coach. I did four years. I went to prep school. I did four and a half years in college. My eligibility is maxed, okay? I can tell you that right now. It's done. Thank you to our guest, Coach Biff Poggi, for joining us on Episode 3 of the Cost of Winning Podcast. This podcast was produced by HBO and Driven Society. You can stream HBO's The Cost of Winning on HBO Max. The Cost of Winning podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, HBO Max, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with the final episode on Friday.